welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. One more hand praise for his work. Amen. Amen. Glad to be here today. I'm ready to preach, y'all. Um, we've worshiped. I'm ready to preach. Um, for those of you who are members, um, 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 please remember your continued giving um, during this time. Also, those who are our new, uh, are those who are uh, visiting today, let's give God a hand praise for them. All right. Genesis 2, 24 through 25. Let's get it. Genesis 2, verses 24 through 25. Amen. One, two, three, read. Amen. Today in our series through Christian um, Liberties, I'd like to talk about dating, sex, shacking, and wise courtship. Dating, sex, shacking, and wise courtship. Lord God, um, I'm burning, my bones are burning right now um, to preach your word. I'm filled with zeal for you. And um, I'm praying that we would hear you today. Guide me by your spirit, not arrogance, not pretense, not searing anger. You said the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a sincere faith, and a clear conscience. Let that be it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Dating, sex, shacking, and wise courtship. Um, my, back in the day, um, you know, since kids are different now, but back in the day, you had three kinds of shoes that you had as a kid. You had a school shoe, you had a play shoe, and you had a church shoe. We used to call the church shoe the roach stompers. Those were the ones, there was them thick-soled black shoes. You know, the girl, y'all had a little buckle joint with y'all's, the little one buckle and the little loop on the front where your little toes showed and everything. But the brothers, we had the roach stompers. And I made sure I never played in my church shoes. Play in your church shoes if you want to. Uh, in my house, and destruction is nigh. Um, school shoes, you didn't play in them because your parents wasn't buying you another pair for another year. And so there would be no re-up if you tore them up. And so you had to wear them beaters and catch, because uh, somebody catch you, they joan on you to the next year, we say joning. Um, but my kids have no regard for human life when it comes to shoes. I mean, no regard. I mean, I bought Ephraim some shoes 
one week and the next week they looked like vintage shoes from the 80s. I mean, he tore them down. And my oldest two, that's interesting, um, you know, I'm trying to teach them how to clean their shoes. You know, I'm using some, you know, different little techniques, you know, to, to help them to learn how to clean. And uh, they kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, y'all don't want to clean y'all shoes? They're like, Dad, we, we kind of like our shoes kind of beat. Now, you know, in my day, you know, that's the new style. Everything in the 80s now, you know, people wear them down. So they tore up and looking crazy. And then they like the shoe because they're well broken in. But back in my day, you got a, a, a red cup, some dishwashing detergent, some baking soda, and a two old toothbrush. And then you filled the sink with hot water and put a little Clorox in it. And you took your shoestrings and put them in there and switched them together. And you took you, I mean, you worked it out. And we could make our shoes look like they were brand new uh, for like nine months. And we would stuff socks in them and put a, 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 a cold cloth on it and iron over it to get the creases out. I mean, some of y'all, I mean, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm by myself, but we wanted them to look a particular way. But what I had to learn was uh, my kids didn't have the same value for shoes that I had. And we live in an age where people don't have the same values as God or many others in the past did. And we live where nothing is sacred anymore. I mean, we live in a society where marriage is not sacred anymore. It's nothing special. We live where manhood isn't sacred anymore. Womanhood isn't sacred anymore. Love isn't sacred Sex isn't sacred. Vows aren't sacred. Boundaries aren't sacred. God isn't sacred. God's word isn't sacred. The church ain't sacred and children ain't sacred. I mean, we, live in a, we live in a society where um, you create your view. We have this idea of your truth. Speak your truth. And this idea of speak your truth means what truth is for you you function based on that, but I can't force what I believe is true on you in order you to do it. But nothing in life works like that. I can't decide that truth for me is smacking you. Because smacking you violates you. So if my truth violates you, then I can't call it truth because it's a violation of you. And we have to treat everything like that. And sometimes all violations aren't concrete, they're abstract. And some of the things that are unsacred and that impacts in the way we do truth is the fact that we're offending God, many of us, in storing up wrath and don't even know it. Our culture is storing up massive amounts of wrath. And so one of the things that I wanted to work through, because I, I have a lot of concerns as a shepherd these days, I see there is, is a Christianity from the leadership uh, or the pulpit to the pews that are bending and leaning away from truth and leaning and bending away from particular things as it pertains. And where I see it bubbling the most is a symptom, but I see it bubbling in the way that men and women relate to each other. And the way in which Christians has a laissez-faire, if you want to say, uh, uh, relationship with how life should be when it comes to dating, sex, shacking, and wise courtship. Now, as we get into this text, I want, you, I want to give you a lesson on something real quick. Uh, y'all got to give me some time today because I'm going to take my time. Is that okay? Oh, y'all didn't sound like it. Y'all okay? All right. The Bible, listen, as we get into this, the Bible has descriptive text on courtship. Listen, 
that show a more cultural form of courtship, hear me, but isn't prescribing how courtship should be done. In other words, we have to be careful, we have to be very, very careful of taking descriptive text that's describing something that's happening that the Bible isn't making a command and making it normative. For instance, uh, I, I had a friend that made uh, 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 Genesis 23 when Isaac went after Rebecca a principled norma normalization of how courtship should take place. And I think it's very, very dangerous. Okay? Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Jesus somewhat uses cultural model for courtship and how he patterns his relationship with the church. We'll come back to that. But nothing is wrong with cultural pattern dating as long as it doesn't violate what's in God's word. So, an arranged marriage uh, 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 and culture wasn't distinctly Jewish, but many cultures. So, so we're going to talk about these different ways and is dating cool? So, so, so three things I'm going to talk. These are my three there are question points that we want to answer with the Bible. Number one, is dating a Christian freedom? Is premarital and extramarital sex a Christian freedom? Now, don't look like me funny, because there are Christians, you all function like this, like it's a Christian freedom, because y'all are having sex outside of marriage, inside outside of marriage as well. So, we got to talk about it in the church. And it's shocking a Christian freedom. Now, we're going to, as we work through this text, we're going to do this. But listen to me. One of my goals as your pastor is for you not to just know what to think, but how to think. I, 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 I shouldn't have to shepherd you through low-level things for you to meet me with. You should have enough of the mind of Christ and a transformed mind to have biblical common sense. You shouldn't have to DM me about something that's within reach within your Bible in basic principles without a need of Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek. All right? Intermediate and, 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 uh, and, and, and high-level stuff you need shepherding in. But you should be at a point as a believer where you have the co enough community, discipleship, and mentorship to make good, basic Christian decisions. Okay, so let's get in the text. Y'all ready? Verse 24, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife. They become one flesh. Let me just give you something for free. Um, stop saying this is my better half. God doesn't marry two halves, he marries two holes. Let me just say that. God, you're not half of a person. Marriage isn't 50-50. I remember watching Flintstones back in the day. For instance, marriage is 50-50. No, it's not. It's 100-100. That means you need all of the womanhood that you are as a Christian woman in marriage, and we need all of you, 100% of the Christian man that you're supposed to be in marriage. You might not get there, and you might not be where you want to be, but you're pressing towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus in the way of your father. No marriage, there's not 100%. If you put get 50 and he get 50, that's 50% in marriage. That's not two 50s making 100. That means half of who you are and who he is is being given, and only 50% of the potential that God has for you is being invested. So this is why a man leaves his father and mother. This word leaves means to abandon, to forsake, to discard. It means 
It means that you need to be able to be at a point where you're able to shepherd and lead a household and function in it without constantly, that doesn't mean you don't need mentorship, that doesn't mean you don't receive an inheritance from your family, that doesn't mean you get some help, but there should be a point uh, in the development where you begin to not be a mama's boy. That means that, uh, that you don't ask your friends all the advice about marriage. We're going to get into some stuff. Please stay with me. It means the household is in principle now legally together and separated from its other household even though it's related. But then it says he bonds to his wife. This bonding is doing this. But many of us doing this out of order. We're going to come back to this. Doing this out of order through unbound and aimless dating, hookups, it's complicated. Courtships, we just friends, concepts of relationships brings challenges in relationship dynamics. So it says the two shall become one. Somebody say one. One, one means to become a new family. And this is the idea of law first mentions. Law first mentions is when a doctrine, a principle, an idea, or an institution is first mentioned or word in the Bible, it usually if it's being principled, dictates the way it's used through the rest of the Bible. So nobody can come to me and say, why didn't God do anything about polygamy? God sometimes doesn't do something about certain things to let you know how stupid it is and let you get into it so you won't do it no more. That's why Jesus later uses the law first mentions in Matthew 19 when he says, in the beginning it was not so. Because the beginning always defines the ending. And so we must understand the reality of oneness and what it means for us to become one flesh. And I'm going to define this very, very carefully in a second. But this, this idea of the woman being taken from Adam uh, doesn't happen in our courtships. But the covenantal connection is just as equal in the eyes of God as that union was in the beginning. So I'm not beating anybody up. If you've gone through a divorce, you've gone through a hard time. But that's why God says in Malachi, I hate divorce because we, are, we become kin and we're, we're covenantally bound to each other. God likes covenants that start, that are kept. He loves it. And, and because he's a God of his word and he wants us to be people of our word, right? But sin coming into the world breaks and cracks and destroys and challenges those things. But look at verse 25. We're going to have a lot of application today. A lot of definitions. Both the man and his wife were naked and felt no shame. What does that mean? What does that mean? There's no fear of being exploited. No sense of vulnerability. She wasn't asking him to be vulnerable. He was born vulnerable. That's the way it was in the beginning. So, so, so they weren't, they, they, there was nothing, they didn't have a relationship that hurt them in the past that they're bringing to this relationship using that past relationship and all that activity as a measuring rod for their relationship with one another. No, you had one man and one woman who knew God first, who were virgins and didn't know anything but what God told them coming into holy matrimony and learning in the process together in a joyful, beautiful process in freely being blessed by what God created. That's what it was meant to be. We weren't meant to come, uh, uh, you know, Adam and Eve didn't need premarital counseling. Premarital counseling is us for the fall. 
Like back then, it's like, just get ma- before the fall, it's just get married. And I'll help you figure it out as you follow me. <laughs> but now we need a lot of help. You understand? We need mental couples. We need booklets. We need conferences. We, we, I mean, we need a whole bunch of stuff. To help. Then we may need some premarital therapy individually so that we can work through some stuff so that we don't bring that baggage fully to the marriage. And then we got to come back together in the session together to work and talk each other through it. And then we got to get with another mentoring couple. Then we got to work through all of this stuff just to get married. But that's if you're trying to do it right. But after the fall, guess what we get? We have trust issues. We got prenups. Secret accounts. Secret bank. That, that just in, girl, you better get you a just in case. Affairs. Polygamy. Cheating. Spy apps. And hookup culture. But let me ask you a question. What's the types of oneness, though? Before we get into shacking, let's define oneness, right? Let's look at what oneness looks like from a comprehensive perspective. Look at the screen. You first have physical oneness. Physical oneness. Physical oneness, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. That's you becoming kin with your spouse through covenantal connection, right? Then you have emotional oneness. Malachi chapter 2 talks about men treating women treacherously in marriage, which points to emotional health, that God is concerned about the emotional health of the family. That means that God wants us to have emotional oneness in which we don't treat one another with contempt, but we treat one another with love and understanding so that there is not an emotional strain constantly on the marriage. Spiritual oneness, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, talks about uh, 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 not being unequally yoked. Of course, that's with, uh, 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 it says with unbelievers. And that text is functionally talking about the body, but it can apply to marriage, right? Uh, we, we also have Romans 12, 16, talking about biblical oneness and about being on the same biblical page. That applies to the body, but can also apply to us as believers. Next is sexual oneness. Y'all with me? Y'all quiet. Y'all with me? All right, all right. Sexual oneness, chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, verse 1 through 17. That means husbands and wives can't have sexless marriages and be one. Am I by myself? That means there needs to be regular sex in the marriage. Regular. Drink some water. <laughs> Jinga linga ling. <laughs> there should be financial oneness. Bible said if a man won't work, he's worse than an infidel if he don't provide for his family. It says in Luke 14, 28, even though it's in the context of discipleship, it applies to everything. He said, you count the cost of what it takes to do something. So husband and wife have to have financial oneness, being on the same page with one another. I'm doing all of this because we're leading to something. Y'all track it with me? 
You have to have household oneness. Now, this is simple. The Bible says husbands live. But stop there. Live means be in the same house. Got to say that these days. Now, if you're being abused, you need to get out. Run. So I'm not saying that you got to nuance this. But I'm, what I'm saying is husbands and wives should be there. But live, it didn't say exist with your wife. That, that means men should be emotionally available to their family. Oh, God, I'm getting ahead of myself. But then it's a mutual living, even though it's telling him to live with her. The, the, the inference is that she would live with him as well, but it's focusing on his living with her in an understanding way. In other words, he's being a student of her so that he can know how to love her. Y'all like that, don't y'all? She said, study me, study me, boo. Study me. Boom, boom. Directional oneness. Ephesians 5, 23. And 1 Corinthians 11, 3 through 9. Now, in there it says, the man is the head of the woman, Christ is head of the man, and God is head of Christ. In other words, in order to have directional oneness, there has to be order. There has to be functional order in the home. That's why Satan tried to switch the order from God, man, woman, to animal, woman, man, God. Because Satan has order, but it's always a reverse corruption of what God wants. And we're living, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but we're living in a society where women are functioning, trying to not just be equal with men, but to change the order of man and womanhood. We're going to come back to that. And y'all can get mad at me. Don't email me talking about misogyny, objectification. I don't want to hear none of it. Because y'all use them words sometimes when you don't want to change. And some of, some of that's the devil. Some of it isn't you want to be equal. Some of you are coming out of your God-ordained role thinking you're exalting yourself. But to be exalted in man's eyes can be uh, to take a demotion in God's eyes. Vision oneness. The Bible says in Proverbs 29:18, he or she without vision is unrestrained. In other words, biblical visionary direction of where the marriage is going. That means there should be vision, and then there should be a direction that goes around that vision. I talk about that in my book, Manhood Restored. I have a chapter for men on restored vision. How do you become a visionary in your house? That doesn't start when you get married. It starts when you're single, okay? And this sermon isn't to beat up anybody single or beat up anybody married. And we're not idealizing marriage as the ideal Christian relationship. So don't walk away with that. I hear, I hear you. I hear you. People at the church over-exalt marriage. I can hear it. No, you want to be married and want me to teach on this. But when I teach on it, then you say that we're over-idealizing marriage. And say, pray for me that we get married. We value singles, but y'all want to get married, so I'm helping. Is that okay? I hear, I just hear, the Holy Spirit just, I hear, say something to that. Role oneness. Role oneness. Ephesians 5, 22 through 32. 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7. Listen, men and women got to walk in their biblical roles in order for there to be oneness. Y'all got to agree on it. Now, and, 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 and oh, getting ahead of myself. But these are the oneness pieces. So I want you to keep this up here on the screen, y'all. Until Well, y'all going to put it up the next one. So what makes shacking shacking? This is what makes marriage marriage right here. Look at I just want you to stare at it. 
physical, emotional, spiritual, biblical, sexual, financial, household, directional, visionary, and role oneness. Those are some things, right? Now, this is what makes marriage marriage. The problem with shacking is it's an illegitimate attempt to do this before you get married. Okay, let's put it up there. Shacking defined. What is shacking? And it's not just living together. A man and a woman who are with each other and are attracted to each other, living together and joining their lives together without any formal commitment before God and government in the institution of marriage. So when you, keep that up there, when you overjoin your life to somebody prior to marriage, that's shacking. I want y'all to let this, now that doesn't mean, uh, please hear me, that doesn't mean you don't like each other, you don't move in the marital direction. We're going to talk about healthy dating in a second. But one of the things I, I, I try to help people with in understanding this is shacking is counterfeit oneness. It's physical oneness. Doesn't verse the marriage as you view the marriage as unique. Emotional oneness doesn't have relational stability. See, a lot of times we get emotionally attached to people too quickly without any marital future. See, when you, when you emotionally connect yourself to a person, that's why the Bible says that they were naked and unashamed. But when you emotionally connect yourself to someone without the directional vision of biblical attachment, you set yourself up for failure. Because many times, sisters, y'all know in 20 minutes whether or not you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. See, a guy, he not nowhere near where you are. He's trying to figure life out. He don't even know where he's going to work, with, you know, sometimes. Or he's working somewhere and he doesn't know where he wants to stay. Or he's starting a bit. He don't know. You've, you've picked your dress, your ring, where you're going, what the menu is going. Everything is emotionally picked. And some of you all are so desperate to be married is you lock yourself into people that you haven't biblically assessed enough. And so what you begin to do is you ignore every Holy Ghost red flag because your timetable is ticking. And so shocking, shocking, um, you know, is is, is very bad for your soul health. I don't believe, ain't ain't nothing in the Bible on soul ties. That's not in the Bible. Okay? 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20 is not about soul ties. It's about body ties, right? So, so, so when we look at this idea of shacking, one of the things that we're saying is it's a counterfeit form of oneness. And in saying that, it, it, you know, it reminds me of, you know, people that'll live together, they'll put their finances together, they'll have two or three children. Ask them why they're not married, they'll say they're not ready. And I'm trying to wrap my head around Y'all live under the same roof. Y'all, 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 y'all paying bills together. And you're having one of the most sacred things constantly. Under God's heaven, a child, and you're going to be connected whether you like it or not if you're committed people. 
for the rest of your life to one another and you're not ready for marriage, but you're ready to finance each other, you're ready to stay under the roof, y'all ready to wash each other's clothes, whether you go to lunch, y'all ready to y'all go to the grocery store together, you understand what I'm saying? Y'all have double dates with people, y'all have babysitters that come over, y'all pay the babysitters, y'all go this place, y'all even going on, y'all going to Aruba and Fiji, and y'all having pre-honeymoons. I mean, it's just like, I mean, I, I mean let, me, let me just give you something for free. Men who get your commitment without making a commitment won't make a commitment. Let me say it again. Men who get your commitment without your commitment, without commitment, won't make a commitment. Let me just, let me say this. If you give him the, 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 a place, y'all together, staying together, you gave him, go back to those things on oneness. Go back to the ones on oneness. Look, 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 go, go back to the ones on oneness, the, the slide on oneness. Look, if you're giving him, if you're giving him emotional oneness, y'all even go to church together, shack and drive together. Hey, this is all facts. This is all facts. Y'all even go in a small group together. Y'all sleeping together. Y'all paying bills, y'all got the same house. No direction, though. No. You can't. It's impossible to build direction without godly commitment. And without a vision, you're not doing it God's way. But when you give a man emotional, sexual, and household oneness, what, is, what do you have as leverage? Ladies, stop giving yourself away because it's more women than men out here. Don't be so desperate. Help me today, God. Don't be so desperate where you think God ain't got you. Please hear me. It's very, very important that we do this, right? Look at some verses. 1 Thessalonians 5.21. But test all, this, all things. Hold to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. <laughs> Ephesians 5.15, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but wise people, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do you do that? Do you take time? One of the things you have to be careful of leading, living life men and women by your preferences. You need to, have you ever just sat back and took time before someone pursued you or you pursued them and really sought the Lord? Or are you so excited about the opportunity you plunged in because you don't know when the next one's coming? Ephesians 5.3, but sexual immorality and impurity or greed should not even be heard among you as is proper for saints. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable but rather giving thanks for no for know and recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure person or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. What is it saying there? Is that as a believer, this is not your identity. So stop acting like people that don't have an inheritance. That's the point of the text is that, uh-oh, I, I, I was immoral so I don't inherit the kingdom. No, if you're a believer, you're secure. The, the issue is you're not living based on your identity. When you do these things, you're living below 
who you, because you built different now. You built different now. So since Christ has built you different, when you, when you subsidize your spiritual housing, you, you go from the palace to a shack. Hebrews 13, 6. Marriage is to be honored. Oh, God, I love that. By all and the marriage bed kept undefiled because God will judge the sexually immoral and idolaters. Let me tell you something. Your value of relationships prior to marriage sets the precedent for how you value it in marriage. So if you have a pattern of being relationally a certain way prior to getting married, marriage doesn't fix you to relate differently. Because whenever you get in trouble, you always do what's natural. Are y'all still with me today? And so, what is, I like, I like 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. He said, this is the will of God, your sanctification. What does it look like to be sanctified? That you keep away from sexual immorality. Now, dating. What is dating, right? Let's define dating. Let's work through it, right? Y'all still with me, right? Dating isn't wrong. Remember, there are cultural forms of the way culture creates for people to get together. There's nothing wrong with dating. Listen, it's a cultural framework that is a liberty but must be brought under biblical and gospel principles. Okay? So things to consider. Dating, listen, is a means of ful to fulfill companion gaps without necessarily focus on marriage. It's a means of courtship. So let's talk about levels of dating. Somebody say levels. levels. Number one, number one level. We just friends. Means open connection. I, mean, I can see somebody else usually. Y'all you, know what I'm talking about. I'm talking culturally now. Then you got we talking. Yeah, I'm talking. We just talking. What's up with you and Charlotte? We just talking. Mean on the market, but considering. Still on the market, but you know. Hollering at Shorty. You know? Dating. Exclusive non-marital companionship. Okay? Now, you, now you're in the place where y'all come to church together, y'all sit together. Amen. Hopefully y'all come to church. Y'all sit together, you understand, and, and you exclude somebody try to holler, hey, hey, that's, my, that's you, Shorty? Oh, my bad, bro. That's exclusive. Y'all missed that. Seriously dating is intense commitment while moving towards marriage. And then lastly, engagement. You know what that is. Now, let me help y'all out. Some real, real practical stuff. Red flags in dating men, then red flags in dating women. These red flags. He's a mystery. If he's a mystery and unknowable, run. Run. Mystery. Because see, some of y'all date some fine, mysterious people. But he fine, though, he fine. But, but, but he's very vague in conversation. So where you live? Yeah, you know. <laughs> where you work? Center City? Where you go to church? I've been looking around. 
Like if it's constant vagueness, you need to run. And some of y'all give, you give what you want too much of a chance. And you have to, you have to learn, you have to Holy Ghost give up. I know it's hard. Listen, I empathize. It's hard, right? I'll tell you about some stuff that happened to me in the past, had to work through. Never meet anybody that knows him. He's not clear on the gospel. And some of y'all need to quit that. You need to quit it. Is he saved? I think so. What? You think so? So you're putting your life on the line for I think so? And you're not going to save him. Some of us date our preferences trying to be the Holy Spirit. It's too much for the day. You're trying to be the, oh, that's everything I want. If God would just be in his life. And you think you're, you're enough. Anyway. Doesn't have godly initiation skills. Doesn't know how to initiate godly things. Doesn't pursue God until you ask him. Shouldn't we be? Gets physical with you without conviction. No conviction. Avoids other godly men. His phone is off limits to you. Amen. If a guy protect his phone like it's his bank account, run. Last but not least, you are his connection to God instead of Jesus. Now for red flags in dating women. Now, ladies, I'm going to just tell you, hold on, take it off, take it off, take it off, take it off. I ain't want y'all to put it up that fast. Take it off. Let's preface this. I don't want no emails, y'all. You understand? But let me say this in love. I'm trying to shepherd y'all. I'm trying to shepherd y'all. And I'm trying to tell you, trying to tell you that I was an emotional molester of women. Right? And when I got saved, me and Yvette wasn't together. Um, and listen, um, I was companionless. And what I began to do was I began to relate to women, not sexually, but emotionally, knowing they liked me. But I needed the companionship and I was carrying their emotions along in ungodly ways, but calling it friendship without the commitment, but everybody thought we were together. And I had a good friend of mine, some friends say, E, what's up with you and Shorty? You know, dudes, we always say Shorty. Um, what's up with Shorty? Oh, man, we, we cool, we friends. Dude, you, you, you know you're wild, right? What you mean? I ain't touch her. He said, you touched her deeper than you could touch her physically. And I got rebuked. So I'm saying this from the perspective of a person that had to work through my own sanctification issues. Not, see, we always tell the BC stuff. But there were ways as a believer where I was trying to get over on the system. But the Holy Spirit and good friends don't work that way. <laughs> and people love me enough. So I love you enough. And this is what I want for you ladies. Because some of you 
are resistant because you're, you're, you're very, and you're more influenced by the culture than you know. And so you've adopted things about the Bible that you think are archaic, but not, it's about biblical womanhood, but because you're resistant to it, you, you, you do stuff. So I want you to hear me now. That's the preface. Number one, picks on her social is constantly reveal her body parts. Now, I'm just telling you sisters, listen to pastor. If you're revealing your body constantly, he don't want you. Godly man ain't gonna marry a woman that's parading herself. And I'm gonna talk real. In thongs, in bikinis, and, and cleavage. I've seen Christian women have see-through stuff on their chest. And and I, I want I, I just I mean y'all can y'all can I've tried to tell y'all before, and I love y'all, but it's not a, it's it's it may get you something, but it won't get you godliness. And I'm and I'm and, and listen, trust me, we're visual. We know you fine. So you don't have to tell me in any way. Be soul fine. We'll come back to that. In her bio, if she has womanist or feminist fellas, run. Run. That means she has no regard for biblical roles. She's already culturally, she's already culturally appropriated. Because it's not about woman. When you say womanist and feminist, it's not about value and womanhood. It's, 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 it's a, it, oh God, it, it is a corrupt form of womanhood that seeks to get its own identity and authority on its own terms. Like God, uh, 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 like worldly quotes, just puts them out there in stories. Pursues unbridled physical contact with you. Always wants to argue. Mm, 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 mm. The world has to be built around her. Sees being a wife and a mother as a distraction from her personal goals. Says she doesn't need a man, but is possessive about you. Doesn't like other women, major red flag. I just like, and what they did, the way they try to couch it is, I just like being around the brothers, the fellas. No, not liking being around women is a red flag because Titus 2 demands that women are around women. Yeah. <laughs> Views biblical marital roles as archaic versus freeing. So, if you are looking to get married, what you should be looking for? They should be saved. I mean, save, save. Like save, save. Not, not, you know, I always went to church. I'm talking about loves Jesus. Submit themselves to a season of discipleship. If a person doesn't have the willingness to submit themselves to discipleship, they're dangerous. Puts biblical principles over their personal preferences. Repents when wrong. Holy Spirit submission. 
person subject to the local church. A person that makes themselves healthily known to others. A person willing to receive help. Doesn't justify worldliness. And finally, they love Jesus more than they love you. few more things then I'm done can I get a few more things and I'm done all right so what are some honorable practices now when I say honorable practices I'm not giving you this list as a way to say if you don't do everything to the teeth this way you're not getting married properly but I do think that there are practices that I've seen over time where I've seen people win when they had some type of direction and wisdom that's given to them that helps them along through the process of courtship. So dating and courtship accountability. You need accountability. That means uh, my, my, my wife and I, I knew me. And so what I did was I, I got a, a, a woman and man named Wayne and Joanne Mitchell. We, we, we still connect with them to this day. They're like second spiritual parents to us. And um, they, they, uh, when we were dating, matter of fact, even before that, we got with our, the youth pastor at the church, the college pastor at the church, and his wife, and we're sitting with them. Um, because I, I was fresh out of the world. She, she was saved since she was 12. So I knew that I needed help because I was fresh off of some sex. I'm just being honest. And so I needed help for God to give me some wisdom um, because I wanted to do, I, I'd done it wrong a lot. And I, I knew that I needed help. And it was interesting, God just kept sending people. And, I, and, 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 and again, this is from the God that didn't do it right always. Um, and, and, and not saying in doing it right that I did it perfectly. But those relationships and inviting people to speak into it, say, like where I am, I'm, we'll be married 25 years this year. And so I'm not saying, I'm not saying this, I, I'm saying this as a warning. It, it's helpful. And listen, God can redeem all of the emotional baggage you got, all of the mistakes that you've made, all of the sexual things. Even if you committed, you had abortions, God can redeem it. Even if you caught STDs, he can redeem it. Even if you haven't been over some people, even if you were physically abused, even if you've been through some stuff and you've been hurt as a man and you, you're saying, I'm going to set my face like Flint. God doesn't want your face like Flint in a relationship with your wife. He wants you to be a tender warrior. <laughs> Dating and courting in the light. People should see you. You shouldn't spring your relationship on somebody. Ah, I'm engaged. We're not excited. <laughs> if I've known you for 10 years and you say, ah, I'm engaged, you better pray I stay in godly tongues. Because that's it's super irresponsible to spring a secret relationship on someone and expect them to be excited than being mad and calling them haters on Facebook. That's immature. Or you get married and say, hey, I'm not excited. Next, men should lead. You're not her spiritual authority before you marry her. So she's not authorized to do what you say because based on 1 Corinthians 7, she's under her father or her guardian. But there is a sense in which men should have leadership acumen prior to getting married. You should see it. And listen, women, use your voice. Use your voice. 
Listen, just because a man is leading doesn't mean you quiet and shut up. The woman, the man is the leader, but the woman is the influencer. So if you know, you're the authority without the position if you influence well. See, that's a, that's, that's a, little, that's a little hack. For, that's a marriage hack. If you're a good woman, you know how to influence his authority in a godly way. Listen, Eve influenced her husband in an ungodly way. Sarah influenced her man in an ungodly way. Jezebel influenced her husband in an ungodly way. Solomon's wives influenced him in an ungodly way. But Zipporah influenced her, God, her husband in a godly way because when God was going to kill Moses and because he didn't uh, uh, circumcise his son, he circumcised it, but she didn't say, look, God, what I did. She threw it at his feet so that he could get credit for it. Listen, use your influence. We need it. <laughs> we need it. Don't ignore concerns. Don't. It's not necessarily a deal breaker, but don't ignore it. Get guidance. Listen, next, protect each other emotionally. Protect each other emotionally. Beware that you send the wrong message. Protect each other sexually. Have boundaries. Nothing wrong with boundaries. Listen, we got to the point, my wife and I was just like, hey, if your roommate not home, I can't be there. Yeah. Listen, um, hey, brother, if I'm not, by this time, call me. Me and my roommate, we held each other accountable. We got married within a week of each other. He's Japanese, Japanese. We call him, you know, he's chocolate Japanese dude. That's my boy, Icky, my guy. But we, 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 we held each other accountable and held each other to godly standards within our relationship with our wives. And we're married, we're married the same. All both of us, in December, we've married 25 years. You gotta have relationships like that. You got to. Protect each other spiritually. Pray together, though. Open the Bible sometime with each other. Go to church together. Sit beside each other. Take communion together. Um, but what's interesting about all of this, where we see Jesus in all of this, is Jesus follows a godly courtship pattern. He does. Jesus came to, from heaven to earth and he wooed us. He died on the cross. He got up from the grave, ascended into heaven, and he's building houses for us. He's building houses for us right now. But we're in the betrothal period right now, meaning we're engaged to Jesus because he gave us the Holy Spirit as our ring. So, 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 so he gave us a big ring. Ain't nobody ring bigger than God. He gave us God as our ring. <laughs> and he waits for his father's permission to marry us. Because he doesn't come back to marry us in Revelation 19 until the father says it's time. So even Jesus submits to authority in relation to his marriage to the church. And he will come and marry us and we will live with him forever after that. If Jesus can follow this pattern and empower us to do it, what's wrong with us? Lord God, we thank you for your mercy, for your patience with us. You are so patient with us. And so many of us have relationally fumbled and you're giving us another opportunity. You're giving us another opportunity to do things different. 
But before I do that, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Savior. You have never put your confidence in him for salvation. Well, if that's you, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and got up from the grave to give you new life. He absolutely loves you and wants to see you come under his love. Christ died to extinguish, get rid of what would have caused us to have to pay for our sins and eternally in hell. But he did it for us on the cross and got up on the third day. If you're here today, you want to place your confidence in Jesus. Hold your hand up in the air. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus. Anyone that says, yes, I want to say yes to Jesus. I see that hand right here. I see that hand right here. He wants to say yes to Jesus. Right here. Keep that hand up just so my team can see you. Keep that hand up. Amen. 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 Anyone else that says they want to say yes to Jesus Christ? They want to put their confidence in him for salvation. One of our team's going to grab that brother. We thank God for that soul coming to Jesus. Thankful for God's grace. Now I want to pray for you. Um, maybe some of the stuff hit you today and you know that you're working through a lot of this to be what God wants you to be in this. Um, if you're here today and you want prayer for this whole idea of dealing with the idea of dating, sexuality, shacking, wise courtship, you believe in God for a mate, nothing wrong with that. You should. Um, you're coming out of some stuff. Um, you, you, you've emotionally and shacked with someone and it's, it's broken you a bit. Why don't you come forward? I want to pray for you. Stand where you are. Come forward. Whatever you want to do. I see you. Thank you for that. Thank you for being brave. I see y'all coming. Yeah. Anybody else? This is where you are. You're saying, God hit me today and I, I need this. I see you in the balcony. I can come to the middle if y'all want to. That's fine. I see y'all coming. Anybody else? You want a level of health? I see you, brother. I see you. Anybody else? Anyone else? Say, God, I need some healing in this area. It's nothing to be ashamed of. God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. Maybe you're in the in the chat. I see you, sis. Some of y'all wrestling through it. Um, because some of you all are like, man, will God really do anything? And um, if you're thinking that, you should stand. If you're doubtful of God's commitment to you, you should stand. You should stand. I'll come forward. See you. Thank you for coming. It's more. I'll give it another minute. I'll give it. I see you stood up. I see you. I knew it. I knew it. I saw you stand. Yep. Anybody else? I see you standing back there. I see you stood up up there. I see you in the back. I see you too, sis. Yeah, I see you. I see you coming forward. I see you. Some of you have lost hope. Stan, you've lost hope. 
Some of you are so broken and you feel like you're so damaged. Why would anybody want me? Stand. I see you, sis. I see you, brother. Anybody else? Thank you all for standing. I see you all up there in the balcony, too. It is a wrestle. I empathize. I see you, sis. If you're in a current situation, you want it to go with God to lead you and guide you and y'all to do it well. And y'all are here together. Stand up. I want to pray for you, too. Y'all want to do this journey well. You're in a relationship and you want to do it well. If you're here and you need the courage to get out of something that you're in, I want to pray for you. Stand where you are. I see you, sis. I see you, sis. said it is not good for man to be alone if you made woman first you'd say the same thing because you've made us for companionship not just marriage but relationships with others I mean being alone isn't natural in who you've created us to be and of course marriage and companionship and relationship it's probably one of the most intense ways of experiencing that. It is. And God, many of us in here have been in relationships. I don't know, I don't know many people that hasn't been in a relationship of some type with someone that they like a lot or even would say they loved. But Lord, I'm praying for everybody here the sound of my voice is they don't take Satan's shortcuts that they would trust your way of doing this that no matter how much they burn no matter how lonely they get no matter how frustrated they get they would trust your process and God I pray that you would reward they're waiting. I believe over them the best. I believe over them good connection with you and with a godly person as they do things your way. I'm also asking for healing. And I'm not saying that somebody, Lord, doesn't have something because they're not ready. I don't know if we, any of us was ever fully ready. I think that's something we got to stop saying in the church. I do think there are things that help us to be prepared, but ready. I don't know about that. <laughs> um, and so, God, I pray for the guilt that's on some of them. 
some of the shame, some of the emotional baggage and challenges and disappointment. And Lord God, I pray that you would give them a renewed sense of value in you. Help them know that they're built with the best tools in the kingdom to be who you've called them to be because of what Jesus has done for them. Lord, we thank you and we bless you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Why don't you give God a hand praise where you are? Let's take communion together. I know we've gone a little longer than normal, but I think it's worth it, don't you? Amen. Amen. Communion. If you don't have the elements, you're a believer, you want to take communion with us, hold your hand up if you don't have it. We have someone right here. A few people right here, actually. We have someone in the back right here, in the back by the sound booth. Stand to your feet. Yes. Jesus' body was not broken for us. It wasn't. It was torn. But the Bible says none of his bones were broken. And... This is a sign. This is breadcrumbs of his return. He said, do this in remembrance of me. It's like a husband who's going to get married. And he can't see his wife, but we're about to get married. He's engaged to get married. He sends her stuff to connect and make sure that her, their affections Affections staying lively for one another. That's a way this is. To live with purity and chastity, knowing that they're getting married. Because in Jewish culture, the betrothal period was actually considered as strong as the marriage covenant itself. Let us eat together. His blood, he took it seriously, enough to bleed. Let us drink together. Amen, amen. One of the things I love about sermons like this is it points out how good of a dad we have, that the Lord has answers all our questions from his word. Amen. Receive this benediction. Now to him who was able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. If you agree with that, let's say amen. Amen, amen. Before you go, if you
you're a member, you're invited to the financial review right after this. If you're not a member, great seeing you, but please, 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 so we can get started with that meeting, would you ask you to uh, head on out expeditiously. Again, members only. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.